0: Thank you, Mary. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 2 Peter, chapter number 3, please. 2 Peter, chapter number 3, is where we will be this evening. Peter is obviously one of the most famous and well-known Bible characters in history. He's one of the most beloved men in the last 2,000 years. I would, I would likely submit to you that there's probably not a Christian anywhere that doesn't know the name Peter. I mean, think about how many unsaved millions of people know the name Peter. They think he's standing at the pearly gates, and that obviously comes from probably some sort of Catholic doctrine, which, you know, whatever they teach is likely wrong. And so Peter's not at the pearly gates checking, you know, good works for people to get in. But uh, saved and unsaved people alike know the name of Peter. And probably not a day that goes by where Peter's name and story in some capacity is not taught somewhere around the world. Uh, He is that famous of a Bible character. His life is an example of of genuine struggle, but also his life is an example of genuine victory in the Christian life. Uh, Peter is one of uh, many people's favorite Bible characters. And the reason for that is pretty simple. A lot of people see themselves in Peter. You know, Peter is one of those people that Jesus lets you get really close to in the Bible. And because of that, you see yourself in Peter in a lot of different ways. Uh, Peter's life is an open book. He's one of those people that what you see is what you get. Uh, Peter's one of those people that didn't have uh, secret sins. His shortcomings were public for all to see. And so, you know, really what you saw is what you got. He he didn't walk around like a hypocrite. You know, the things that he struggled with, God recorded them. Um, And so one thing that Peter was not is a hypocrite. Uh, And as we go through the life of Peter tonight on a couple of different things, I just want to plant a thought in your mind that as we go through his life and you see things that he struggled with, if you've got secret sin in your life, don't for a second try to grab something in Peter's life and say, oh man, me and Peter, we're the same. No, no. If you've got secret sin, that was not Peter. Peter confessed it. He got right with the Lord regularly. He kept short accounts with God. Uh, What you saw with Peter is what you got. And so as we go through Peter's life and you see some of his shortcomings, don't think for a second that that means that you and your secret sins can somehow, um, you know, connect with Peter because he, he didn't live like that. Uh, one of the reasons that we know so many shortcomings of people like Peter and also people like David and Moses is because of how close Christ lets us get into their lives. There's a reason that you can't think of many failures in the lives of Enoch and Abel and John the Baptist and some other really good men Because God didn't let you get as close to them as God let you get to Peter, David, and Moses. Uh, Quite frankly, even people like Joseph and Daniel that have no recorded sins against them in Scripture, even those men, if God let you get closer to their lives, you would see black stains in their lives as well. And so uh, remember, it doesn't matter how great the man is. They're still just men. And so Peter's no different. David is no different. Moses, you name it, Joseph, they're all this, we are all tainted human beings. So, who was Peter? Peter was a successful commercial fisherman. Peter made a good living. He had made a good enough living to have his own house, and he had a good enough living to not just afford his house and support his wife, he also supported his ailing mother in law. Peter was a businessman. Uh, Peter was a hard worker, he was an honest man. Peter was a physically strong man, which there's two reasons for that. Number one, it doesn't surprise you because blue collar men, by and large, you know, they, they have some physical strength to them. I mean, by and large, blue collar men, it's not a surprise, are physically stronger than the average white collar man. I'm not poking, you know, throwing stones or anything like that. I, I, I have almost a white collar on as I say that. Um, you know, if you look at uh, blue collar men, their hands, they're, they're callous, they're fat You know, some of our men, their hands are like 18 inches wide you, you, It like takes two hands to shake uh, their one hand And so Peter would have been like that But the other reason you know that Peter was a strong man Is because after the resurrection of Christ It was Peter by himself that drug a full net of 153 large fishes to shore Barefoot in the sand And so he was pretty strong to be able to just do that and so he had calloused hands from casting nets for so many years. He had calloused hands from uh, washing his nets and repairing his boat and fixing his house. I uh, understand, Peter's hands, they probably did not look like Matthew's hands. Um, they were different kind of men. Both good men, but different. That show, The Chosen, portrays Peter as a, as a pretty bold guy, which I, I, I like that. But let me tell you something, that show, Chosen, is dead wrong when they portray Peter as having some sort of gambling debts and didn't pay his taxes, that was not Peter. Acts chapter 10, here's how you know that wasn't Peter. Acts chapter 10, Peter says, I have never eaten anything that was biblically unlawful. Never. And if Peter was that careful with what he ate, I guarantee you he was that careful with many other things in his life. That one word, when he says, I have never eaten a thing that was biblically unlawful, that means he took care of his financial house. That means his character was so high on so many other areas of his life. Peter was not a thug. He was not a gambler. He didn't owe people money. He didn't owe Rome money. He was up on that stuff. He was a good man. By the time Jesus Christ got to Peter, uh, Peter, from the world's perspective, was already a high-charactered man. He was a man of integrity. That's who Peter was. So, notice what the Bible says. This high-charactered man, the last thing that he would ever write on the pages of Scripture. The last thing that this high-charactered, mature Christian apostle, pastor, preacher of the Word of God would say to us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 18. 2 Peter three eighteen. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Notice Peter's last command to all of us for all of eternity, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter was a man that knew how to grow. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the path of Peter. Peter was a man that struggled in a lot of areas of his life, but at the end of his life, he was a man that figured out how to grow in the Lord. In fact, turn back a couple of pages to First to Peter, chapter number two. Notice what Peter tells us in First Peter, chapter number two. Verse number one. The Bible says, "Wherefore laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envyings and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby." Peter was an apostle that was concerned about growth. Peter was an apostle that knew how to grow. Why would God use Peter to tell us how to grow? Is it that because Peter, from the moment that Jesus chose to call him into the ministry to the moment that he died, that he just had this incredibly steady, straight climb upward with no setbacks of any kind? Absolutely not. Peter's life had many ups. Peter's life had many downs. But Peter's Christian life of growth is a life that our life should imitate. Peter had many highs. He had many lows. And as Peter grew as a man and as a Christian, Peter's life still had highs and still had lows. But as time went on, Peter's life became more consistent. Peter's highs might not have been as high. His lows might not have been as low. And his, his life simply became a consistent and faithful Christian life so that God Almighty would use of all people, Peter, to encourage us, to grow. That's how consistent Peter's life was, is that God said, I want people to learn from Peter how to grow. Now, how, do, how did Peter grow? Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number five. Let's look at some ways that Peter grew. Understand, Peter was either saved under the ministry of John the Baptist or the ministry of Jesus Christ. He was called into full-time service by Christ himself. And when he was called into service, Uh, He was doing well. Financially, he was doing well professionally, but there were no doubt some rough edges that needed to be worked on. By the way, that's exactly how Christ found you. You might have been doing well, but listen, there's no person that's a completed project when Christ finds them. And, And that includes you, that includes Peter. Let's not look at Peter as though he's some cute little child's uh, Sunday school uh, lesson to learn about. This is a high-charactered, intelligent, diligent man that grows in the same pattern that you and I do. And if you want to learn how to grow, what better person to learn outside of Christ? What better apostle to learn from than the apostle that God said, I want you to grow like this guy grew? There's a couple of ways, and we could turn to a lot of passages in the New Testament about Peter's life. But there's a couple of ways that uh, I, I think it's important that we see in peter 's life uh, as to how he grew now fortunately fortunate for Peter Jesus didn 't see Peter the way people saw Peter see we see people think about this we see people how they used to be we see people how they used to be if we 're mature we 'll see people how they are God sees people how they can be. God sees the completed project in the future, and that's what God is working in our lives to get us to become. We see who people were in the past. We remember a name comes to our mind, and we think of what they did to us when? In the past. If we're mature, we, we, we think of someone, we see somebody, and we can see the growth that they've done today. That's not how God is. That's not how Christ is. Christ looked at Peter, and he didn't see this bumbling fisherman who struggled to keep his life together. <laughs> Jesus looked at Peter, and he saw an apostle that he could use to write the Word of God. That's who Jesus saw in Peter. Jesus Christ sees people for who they can be. In fact, Peter becomes a perfect example Of Philippians 1.6, where Jesus says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Peter is somebody who who Jesus Christ began a good work in and allowed Christ to continue that work in his life until the day that Peter went home to be with the Lord. So why do most people not grow like Peter did? By the way, most people don't grow like Peter did. Why don't they do that? Because they don't do the three things that we're going to look at tonight. They refused to do the three things that Peter did to grow like Peter did. Notice what Peter did. These are difficult things. These are hard things that grate against our humanity. Let me say this again. These are difficult things that grate against your pride as you sit there. That's why most people will not grow like Peter did. Notice what the Bible says in Luke chapter number 5. The first thing that Peter did is that Peter had a recognition for who Peter was. Notice what the Bible says in, first, uh, in, in Luke chapter number five. The Bible says in verse one, And it came to pass, as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. The lake of Gennesaret there, that's the Sea of Galilee. That's a different phrase for the Sea of Galilee. In verse two, And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them, washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon Peter's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish. fishes and their net break. Understand what's happening here. Uh, Christ is preaching, he walks into Peter's boat as though Jesus owns the boat or something. He walks right into Jesus's, by the way, Jesus did own the boat. He walks into Jesus's boat, uh, Peter's boat, and he preaches. We don't even know what he preached. The point to this story that God wants us to see is how Peter responded. Jesus said, uh, push out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. What were they doing in verse number two that caused Peter to be reluctant? The Bible says at the end of verse two, they were gone out of them and washing their nets. The, The night was over. It was the morning. Peter, this professional fisherman, had toiled, the Bible says, toiled all the night. So the sun was up. They had washed their nets. They were done for the night. Peter was going home to go to bed. He had worked third shift on the Sea of Galilee, They had caught nothing. He was going home and going to bed. Jesus interrupts his plans. He said, Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Peter basically says, Lord, listen, if there's preaching that needs to be done, you do the preaching. You're a preacher. You're a teacher. Clearly, you're from God. Uh, You do the preaching. But Lord, if you don't mind, leave the fishing to me. I'm a professional fisherman. I'm a commercial fisherman. You're actually in my boat, Lord. Um, So if you want, leave the preaching to you, leave the fishing to me. That's basically Peter's thought process. But he says, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. Now, at first glance, it looks like Peter obeyed. But notice what happened in verse two. In verse two, they were washing their nets, plural. And in verse four, Jesus said, let down your nets. So Jesus said, all the nets that you just washed, that you're tired from fishing with, that you're tired of casting, that you're tired of cleaning, all of those nets I want you to let down. Peter says in verse 5, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word uh, nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the what? What's the next word? Net. So Peter basically said, I'm not going to let down all the nets. I'm going to let down this one that maybe I haven't washed or this one that I don't really care about. Maybe it's on top and it's easier to grab. I don't know the reason or the thought process that goes into Peter's life and to Peter's mind at this moment. But basically, Peter disobeys. It appears on the surface like he obeys. He actually disobeyed. He let down one net. And the Bible says that they, in verse 6, when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. In this moment, was so miraculous, notice what happened. The Bible says in verse 7, they beckoned unto their partners. By the way, Peter had fishing partners. He was in business with other men. He had a profitable business, which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships that they began to sink. Think about that. They filled two, ship, uh, two fishing vessels, two ships that began to sink with fish. Let that sink in as to how many fish these men caught. By the way, that has likely never happened. These two ships began to sink. And here's where you see who Peter is. It's a recognition of who Peter is in verse eight. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Here it is saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. The first thing that Peter did to grow is he had a recognition of who he was. In the presence of Jesus Christ, Peter recognized who he really was. He said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. This is a key step in correct growth. Uh, Listen, to repent and receive the grace of Jesus Christ to get saved, you know, you you have to see yourself for who you are. No repentance equals no grace. Jesus was, I'm sorry, Peter here was a repenting man. When he got saved, he repented and he, he continued to repent his entire life. Peter recognized who he was when he got into the presence of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time that this phrase ever came into your heart? You see, this phrase comes into your heart when you get into the presence of Christ. And if this phrase never comes into your heart, what you're saying is that you don't ever get into the presence of Christ enough to feel the need to say to Christ, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. You feel so comfortable in your sin not being close to Christ that your sin doesn't bother you. Peter, when he got close to Christ, when he saw the power of Christ, the first thing he said, he fell to his knees in humility, and he said, depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. A person that does not regularly see their sinfulness is exposing the fact that they're not regularly in God's presence. A person that regularly sees their sinfulness... Uh, first and then the sinfulness of others is testifying that they actually do get into the presence of Jesus understand something godly people Peter's an example of this godly people who regularly get into the in the presence of Christ first see their own sinfulness and then they see clearly to help those around them with their sinfulness that's the pattern that you see in scripture if all you ever do is see everyone else's sinfulness without first seeing your own sinfulness, you are bordering on, on hypocrisy. That's not what Peter did. Amen. Think about men in the Bible. What did Isaiah do when he got into the presence of, in, into the presence of Christ? He said, uh, I'm a man of unclean lips. Depart from me to the Lord. What did John the Baptist do when he got into the presence of Christ? Uh, I'm not even worthy to bow down and unloose his shoes. Uh, What did James do when he got into the presence of Christ? Referred to himself as simply a servant of the Lord Jesus. What did John do when he regularly got into the presence of Christ? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Godly person after godly person in the Bible, when they got close to Christ, there was an immediate recognition of who they were in the presence of Christ. If all you ever do is see the sin around you and you don't see the sin in your own heart, It is an evidence that you are not in the presence of Christ like you think you are. So the first thing that Peter did to grow like he needed to grow was a recognition of who Peter was. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Let's look at the second thing that Peter did to grow the way that Peter grew. It is a significant thing that God used Peter in his last phrase in the Bible to tell us how to grow. That means God put his own stamp of approval on the method of Peter's growth. That means that God looked at Peter and said, this is a growing man. If you grow like Peter grew, you will be doing well. And so that's what we're looking at tonight. A recognition of who Peter was was the first thing that he had to do in order to truly grow like he did. What was the second thing that Peter had to do? The second thing is a recognition of who Jesus was. He had to recognize who he was, and then he had to recognize who Jesus was. Notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, and some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or so one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He knew who Christ was. He had a recognition of who Jesus was. Jesus wasn't his buddy. Jesus wasn't uh, some person that Peter could boss around. He had a recognition of who Jesus was. Notice what Jesus does. Think about how proud Jesus would have been for Peter in this moment. Read verse 17 and you can see just how proud Jesus would have been of Peter. He said, blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. Calls him by his full name. Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter recognized who Jesus was. Keep your hand here and go to John chapter 6. This is not the only occasion where Peter recognized and spoke up for who Jesus was. In John chapter 6, we'll see another statement that that, that Peter makes in recognition of who Jesus was. Number one, Peter recognized who he was. Number two, Peter recognized who Jesus was. Notice what Peter says in John chapter 6, verse verse 66. The Bible says in John 6, 6, 6, "From from from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus said unto the 12, will ye also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou... Hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the son of the living God. Peter knew who Jesus was. Peter recognized who he was. Peter recognized who Jesus was. Peter basically said, Lord, Lord, where are we going to go? You have all the words that we need. You alone have the words of eternal life. Peter is recognizing Christ as God. Both of these references, Peter is recognizing Christ as God. And Peter knew in order to have God in his life, he needed the words of eternal life in his life. You can go back to Matthew chapter 16. So the first thing that Peter did to grow was a recognition of who who Peter was. If you don't recognize who you are, especially in the presence of Christ, you will never grow. If you don't recognize who Jesus is, especially in comparison to you, you'll never grow. So many people, they, they, they go through life thinking that God is just a little bit better than them. They, they, I mean, Mormon theology literally teaches this, that God is just a little bit more than you are. Listen, the, you, listen, you are closer to your pet dog than you are to God. That is the distance between you and God. You are not almost close to God. There is no man that seeketh after God. You, you are not a good person in your heart. Only by the blood of Jesus Christ are you even capable of doing good. So Peter had a recognition of who he was. Peter had a recognition of who Jesus was. And the next thing that Peter did is something that we can sort of try to have a recognition for who we are. When we get saved, we recognize who we are. We can have a recognition for who Jesus is as best as we can. But this this third thing, is where most of us get off the boat. It's where most of us just get off the bus and, and, you know, it's check, please, for us. No thanks on this next one. Peter had a recognition for needful rebuke in his life. Peter knew he needed to to be rebuked. Peter didn't like it. Who does? But Peter knew he needed it. On the cusp of, of Peter saying, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Notice what happens to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 21. The Bible says in verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Watch this. Then Peter took him. Like, like, how did that work? How did that work that Jesus said something? And then the Bible says Peter took him. Like, like, like is Max speaking? And and I I say, Max, just, just, just come here for a second. I need to talk to you for it. Like, how did, how did Peter take him? How did, did he put his hand on Jesus' shoulder? Did he turn Jesus around? How did he take Jesus in such a manner that the Bible says Peter took him as though Peter had authority over Jesus? As though Peter could do anything to correct the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 22 Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Far. Far, uh, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee Completely and publicly rebukes the Lord Jesus Christ Rebuked God publicly Jesus says in verse 23 But he turned and said unto Peter Get thee behind me, Satan Thou art an offense unto me For thou savorest not the things that be of God But those that be of men Now, notice what the Bible says in verse 21 From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples. So who was who was there when Jesus called Peter Satan? Talk to me class, who was there? Disciples were. All of the at least the other 11 apostles, possibly more. We don't really know, but but at least all saved people were in his presence. Jesus publicly rebukes Peter to his face. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 9, it says reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. Then it says this, Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. This instance in Peter's life is showing you that Peter is a wise man. Because the Bible says, Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. It goes on to say, Proverbs does, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. In this moment, Peter is becoming more wise. He says, Give instruction to a wise man, he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Peter is becoming more intelligent here. He's learning more. He's gaining knowledge here. By the way, that's probably why Peter said, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter is doing that right before our eyes in this moment. Peter learned the recognition of needful rebuke. Think about this. Understand something. We look at this situation where Jesus called Peter Satan. And we sort of chuckle. We think it's funny because we know Peter survived. He went on to do great things. You know, he's, his name's written on the foundation of heaven. We sort of chuckle. Let's turn this for just a moment. If Jesus called you Satan publicly, some of you would leave church. You would literally leave church. You would turn around and blame Jesus for how he did it. That's what you would do. You would not look at Jesus and say, I had it coming. You would not look at Jesus. This is why we get off the boat here. You would not look at Jesus and say, he's right. You would turn and attack Jesus Christ for him doing it publicly, for him doing it with the tone that he had. You, You name the reasons that you have. You would turn the tables and blame Christ for you getting out of church. You would live the rest of your life out of church, blaming Christ for the reason that you got out of church. Peter wasn't like that. Peter took his licks and he kept going. That's who Peter was. Peter had a recognition of needful rebuke. Turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 12. Galatians, um, Galatians 12, Galatians 2. Last I checked, there's not 12. See, some of you were looking for Galatians 12. Ted, were you looking for Galatians 12? Galatians chapter number two. You see, it didn't stop with Jesus rebuking Peter because it's, it's one thing to get rebuked by somebody that's sort of above you. It's one thing to get rebuked. Hear me now. It's one thing to get rebuked by somebody in authority over you. There's zero question as to who was in charge in in Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus rebuked Peter. There's zero doubt. Jesus was in charge. It is one thing to get rebuked by those over you in rightful places of authority. Peter's, Peter's recognition of needful rebuke did not stop with Jesus Christ. It did not stop with those above him. Peter let people below him rebuke him. Notice what the Bible says in Galatians chapter two. The Bible says in verse nine, and when James Cephas, that word Cephas there, that's Peter. When James Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go into the heathen and they enter the circumcision. So the heathen there are the Gentiles. The circumcision, that's the Jews, the Jewish people. Verse 10, only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. But, this is Paul talking, but when Peter was come to Antioch, notice this phrase, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain, that certain Jews, Came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. He, that's Peter, did eat with the Gentiles. But when they, that's the Jews, were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them, fearing the Jews, which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled. That means uh, they basically were like hypocrites, hypocrisy. The, the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw it, that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter notice this phrase before them all if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews why compelest thou the Gentiles to live after the Jews understand something Peter learned how to take rebuke from those over him that's Jesus Peter learned how to take rebuke from those under him that's Paul understand who was older here Peter was older The Bible says in John chapter 21, Jesus says, when talking to Peter, Jesus says, when thou wast young. Uh, If if Jesus said to Peter, when thou wast young, what was he not anymore? He was not young. In Acts chapter 7, the Bible says at the stoning of Stephen that uh, men laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Paul. So if Paul in Acts 7 was young and Peter in John 21 was not young, that means Peter was older than Paul. That's what that means. Not only that, Peter had been an apostle longer than Paul. Peter was personally trained by Jesus Christ. Obviously, I know Paul was too. Peter was trained in the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. That means Peter was an apostle at least four, maybe five years longer than Paul was an apostle. Here's what that means. Paul was younger and Paul was less experienced in this office of apostleship than Peter was. In that moment, Peter was the senior man on the scene. You study Acts chapter 15 in that great uh, uh, discourse on, on doctrine. Guess who spoke first? The senior man on the scene did, Peter. Peter was the senior apostle. And so when Paul rebuked Peter in a certain sense, it was a younger, more uh, inexperienced apostle rebuking a senior apostle. And the Bible says in verse 11, he did it to the face. And the Bible says in verse uh, 14 that he did it uh, before them all. So think about this, twice Peter was rebuked by Jesus to the face and publicly, Peter was rebuked by Paul to the face and publicly. But Peter didn't turn and you know, attack Paul for how he said it or where he said it or the tone that he said it with. Peter looked at Paul and he said, he's right. Peter let that rebuke sink in. Peter goes down by being rebuked by both Jesus and Paul face to face. That means that Peter thoughtfully considered what Jesus and Paul had to say to him. It means Peter was not rash in his response to Jesus or Paul. It means Peter accepted the truth for what was said to him and didn't allow, did not allow the public embarrassment to turn into bitterness in his heart. It means Peter was actually a man of great humility is what that means. Take your Bibles and turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, how do I know that Peter did not harbor any resentment toward Jesus for publicly rebuking him, somebody over him, nor Paul for publicly rebuking him, somebody under him? How do I know? 1 Peter chapter 2. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, in talking about Christ, Peter says, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. That means that means Peter when he looked back at how Jesus rebuked Peter with Jesus's mouth, that means Peter when he looked back at that said he did no sin in that moment. That means Peter when he looked back at how Jesus rebuked him, Peter said there, there was no guile in his mouth. He was 100% correct. He was correct in his words, he was correct in his tone, he was correct at the moment. He was correct then, he was correct now. Peter took that rebuke. He took it like a man. It, those rebukes actually reveal Peter's strength, not his weaknesses, they, that he was able to take a rebuke publicly from somebody above him. But turn over a couple more pages to second Peter chapter three, and you'll see how you know that he didn't harbor bitterness toward Paul. Notice the Bible says in second Peter chapter number three, the Bible says in verse number 14, "Wherefore, beloved, seeing ye, seeing that ye looked for such things, be diligent." that you may be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our, watch this, beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you. What did Peter say in that moment? He said, Paul's our beloved brother. Peter was not bitter at Paul in any way, shape or form. In fact, notice what Peter said about him. Unto the wisdom given unto him. Peter said, Paul's a wise man. Notice what else Peter said in verse 16, as also in all his epistles, speaking in, this is Paul's epistles, speaking in them of the things in which some things which are hard to be understood, that they which are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own own destruction. Peter said Paul was writing scripture. He said in verse 16 that Paul's epistles, the end of verse 16, is scripture. So Peter had such little animosity or ill will to Paul that he said, he's my beloved brother, he's full of wisdom, and he writes the Bible. So Peter was perfectly fine letting somebody over him rebuke him. Peter was perfectly fine letting somebody under him rebuke him. Here's my fear. In our church building right now, if we had teenagers and young children in this room, everybody that's listening to me right now most of you, in your ears and in your mind, you would think, boy, man, this is great. People really need to hear this. That's what you would think. That's what I would think. But guess who's not in here, children or teenagers? I would submit to you, out of the children, the teenagers, and this room, I would submit to you in my experience, in my own life, and in my own pride, I would submit to you, this room is the least correctable. You are the least correctable. You are. Amen. Yep. You have gotten to the point in your Christian life. You have gotten to the point in your professional life. You have gotten to the point in your financial life. You think you've made it. And you've gotten off the boat where Peter said we need to be rebuked. Amen. Kids are relatively easily correctable. Teenagers, honestly, I worked with them for a long time. Teenagers, for the most part, most of them, They're teachable if you go to them with reason. You guys are not correctable. Peter let those above him correct him. Peter let those below him correct him. There are men all over here. You would never let your wife correct you. There's women from this side to that side. You would never let your husband correct you. You would have some snarky remark. Both of you would. You'd have something to say. You let your kids make one response and you know that they're right, but you just, you, you got to say something to, you're proud. You're not like Peter. Grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, bless God. Praise the Lord, brother Joe. I want to grow. I want to grow. Do you? Because you, the moment that you're corrected is telling you whether or not you really want to grow. Amen. Peter, he was a lot of things. He was not a hypocrite. And that man knew how to deal with correction. He was a good man, a great man, who could get corrected by Jesus Christ, and he could get corrected by Paul. He could have reared up at either one of them. You do. He could have reared up at either one of them, and he didn't. Peter was a man of faith. He was a man that knew how to be corrected. How could Peter be corrected like this? 1 Peter chapter 5. He tells us, by the way, this verse should not shock us that Peter says this. Understanding who Peter was, him recognizing who he was, him recognizing who Jesus was, and him recognizing his need for, for rebuke from those above him and those below him, this verse should not surprise us. The Bible says this is how Peter could be corrected. The Bible says in verse number first uh, Peter chapter five, verse number five. 1 Peter five, five. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. By the way, Peter figured out how to do that. Yea, and, su- and all of you be subject one to another. There were times where people were subjected to him. Peter, and there were other times, like with Paul, where he subjected himself to Paul's leadership. He says, all of you be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility, Peter was doing that the moment he wrote this. He had learned how to embrace humility and his his reception of correction is evidence of his humility. He says in verse five, for God resisteth the proud. By the way, Peter knew what that was like. He knew what it was like to be resisted by God when he fell and denied the Lord three times. He knew that. But then he says, uh, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. Then he tells us how to to grow in verse six is right here. Verse 6 Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Listen, 2,000 years after the, he wrote this, Peter's name has been exalted. From coast to coast in this nation, from sea to sea, men and women have heard the name of Peter for 2,000 years. His name isn't exalted like Christ. You don't get saved by Peter. Peter's not at the pearly gates letting people into heaven. But listen, his name is exalted. Peter's name means something. And his name means something because in verse 6, he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Peter did that, and he may exalt you in due time. God did that for Peter. Peter Peter did the humbling of himself under God's mighty hand. He did that in the life of, in the ministry of Christ. He did that and was evidenced in in the ministry of Paul. And here for 2,000 years, Peter's name is still beloved. Listen, there's a reason people name their kids Peter and not Judas. Peter's name is beloved to this day. Peter was a growing apostle. He recognized who he was. He recognized who Jesus was. And he recognized that he needed rightful rebuke from those above him and from those below him. So, 2 Peter 3.18, where we started, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you don't have a recognition of who you are, you are not growing. Some, there's people in here, you're so, you're so unaware of who you are and your position in Christ, you're not growing like you probably think you are. If you don't have a recognition of who he is, you're not growing. It's that simple. If you don't know who Christ is, you're not growing. And if you can't handle rebuke from those above and those below, you are not growing. Peter was an apostle of growth because he knew who he was, he knew who Christ was, and he knew how to take rebuke. Brother Wally.